Sherry on 2FM. And now, though, it is time for us to talk about the news. Every week at, on a Saturday, we try and catch you up in the news just in case you haven't been paying attention. And as I said earlier, no one would blame you, frankly, at the moment if you decided to check out of the news. But just so that you can be, you know, if someone brings something up with you, you can act like you're completely on it. Ellen Coyne joins us every week. <laughs> Am I wrong? I'm giving you ammunition for rousing yeah, the pulp. It's a, <laughs> a, cheat sheet, a cheat sheet for the news. Um, Ellen Coyne, a news correspondent with uh, the Irish Independent is here. So Ellen, there is a lot to talk about and as always we have to start with COVID obviously. We do. So we'll start off with the good news. Uh, During the week the vaccine portal was open for children between 12 to 15. We know that this is something that um, children being vaccinated has kind of been like a late development. Mm. So the HSC understands that some parents might have questions. Um, They're encouraging people to talk to their GP or go to the HSC website. So uh, it opened for registration on Wednesday. There was 50,000 people who registered on the first day out of the 280,000 possible children in that category. And the HSE has kind of said that that's normal for the lower age groups that, you know, the pickup on the first day tends to be kind of low and then it increases. Like with 16 to 17 year olds, they're now up to 70% registration and 18 to 29 is over 80%. So as of last night, there was over 70,000 people between the age of 12 and 15 who are registered for a vaccine. They will uh, be vaccinated from today. The vaccines are starting this weekend because the HSE wants to move forward with this very quickly for mm. obvious reasons with schools coming back in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, So it is something that they're trying to push forward with. In general, it's very important for the vaccination programme to keep going as fast as possible because over the last week we have had 10,000 new cases of COVID-19. Hospitalisations are increasing and the number of people in ICU has also increased. Mm. But Ronan Glynn, um, the deputy CMO, was kind of pointing out that it's important to bear in mind that even though numbers are increasing, the vaccines work. Because if we didn't have the vaccines, um, it's based, the vaccination programme is preventing at least 10,000 cases and 500 hospitals admissions every week and if we didn't have the vaccines for every 1,000 COVID-19 cases that we have in Ireland we would be sending 50 people to hospital and at the moment it's only 20 there is also data to show that the vast majority of people who get very very ill or unfortunately people who pass away from COVID-19 are people who are unvaccinated and there's anecdotal evidence coming out of the ICUs in our hospitals that people who end up being severely sick and needing to be ventilated who are not vaccinated do regret it so if you're still someone who is hesitant at this point in time with the Delta variant spreading, it's really worth thinking again about protecting yourself and your family and maybe looking again at the information that's available. Yeah, and on the on the 12 to 15-year-old vaccinations, I saw that the Royal College of Physicians of Ireland came out with a statement from the Faculty of Paediatrics saying that they absolutely support children of this age getting this vaccine that they feel like it's medically the appropriate thing to do and that it's the best thing in terms of their health and obviously they, they're they not like duty bound to make that statement that's a of statement course. they did their own assessment and came out with that so you know I can understand people being a little bit hesitant because obviously it's your children um, but I, I would trust the medical professionals on this one, I suppose. And I, I, it's interesting because I know we're going to talk now about um, the maternity hospitals, of course, because we talk about it every week, Alan. Um, and I thought it was interesting this week that when the Rotunda brought out kind of a statement about their restrictions and they referred to vaccine take up as one of the sticking points that they were disappointed in the number of people, patients who were vaccinated and that made it difficult for them to kind of expand beyond their current restrictions. And there is a real hesitancy within pregnant women who obviously are entitled to a vaccine in terms of taking that vaccine isn't there? I'm actually so glad you brought it up because I think when the Rotunda came out it said that of their inpatients only 40% are vaccinated which is absolutely low there's no 
you know, there's no two it's ways low, about yeah. it. But it's not as straightforward to say that, you know, pregnant women are passive victims of misinformation or, you know, they're anti-vaxxers. The advice has completely changed. Like when I, I gave birth at the start of February and the advice then was that pregnant women were not supposed to get vaccinated. Then yeah. it changed and it's now between 14 and I think 36 weeks. Pregnant women were supposed to be made a priority and then the HSE was hacked. So that kind of didn't work. So we don't actually have proper national statistics for how many pregnant women have been vaccinated because some could have gone through their GP and may not have been recorded as a pregnant vaccine. But also it's important to bear in mind, like when the advice changes, when you're pregnant, you're told scare stories about things like soft cheeses yeah. um, and, you know, meats. So you're very nervous about what goes into your body. And I yeah, just think like the fact I had that a, a tooth pulled, an emergency tooth pulled when I was pregnant and I wasn't allowed to take any pain medication. Exactly. So exactly. like it's I completely understand and I'm obviously, you know, I'm all about the vaccine, but like I completely understand why as a pregnant woman, you might be a little bit like, hang on a second, a few months ago you were telling me not to take it. I can't take pain medication if I'm getting if I'm yeah. having a, like a dental operation, and yet this is okay. Yes, exactly. And in fairness to the HSE, like not just pregnancy and COVID, but everything in COVID is something that we're learning along the way. Yeah, of course. So the advice now is absolutely clear, and we do know now. I know we mentioned it not last week, but maybe the week before about uh, pregnant women in Northern Ireland who were ending up disproportionately in ICU yeah. and who were had to be ventilated. And that is, you know, the fact is that Delta is a threat to pregnant women and their their baby bearing all of that in mind I think that everyone could have done with a more ambitious communications yes. campaign up until now and I think what was particularly unfair you know this is just my opinion about the Rotunda thing was saying that they are trying their best to relax restrictions the Kumar and Hollis Street are as well the Rotunda is the oldest maternity hospital in the world so it has parts of it that are completely unventilated obviously there's nothing they can do about that but I think to kind of say we would relax restrictions more if you know, pregnant women would take up the vaccine more and if their partners would. I don't think it's particularly fair because I think up until now, pregnant women have been kind of left thrown to the internet and thrown to Google. And at the other side, I don't think you can make that argument without turning around to women and saying, well, if you and your partner are both are vaccinated, vaccinated yeah. then we can relax the rules. I just think that this isn't to pit pregnant women against people working in maternity hospitals because they are phenomenal angels as we yeah. all know um, but I just think that it maybe wasn't the best way to communicate and I think that going forward it's very important to improve that campaign I had a column last week about how the infertility anti-vax myth is really pernicious and is really spreading among women yeah. who maybe have the common sense to not want to say it out loud because they don't want to seem like an anti-vax lunatic but those fears are very real and I think that there really really needs to be a much more aggressive communications campaign Well this is the thing isn't there that there are people you know, at the extreme end, anti-vax people, as you've just said. But then there are lots of people who have genuine and valid and, you know, absolutely fair concerns and worries. And they they have to be communicated to and be taken seriously. And particularly when you're in that very particular set of circumstances, as we've mentioned, in pregnancy. But I think to be very clear, if anyone is listening, all of the medical advice is that it is much safer for you and your baby to take the vaccine rather than to risk getting COVID at this stage. So so that is all of the scientific advice. And yes, as you said, unfortunately, we've all had to kind of learn as we go. And that includes science in terms of the vaccine and COVID and all the rest. But, you know, we have learned and science has learned and all of the experts are very clear on the fact that if you are pregnant, the vaccine is the safest thing you can do for you and your baby Absolutely. at this point. Okay. 
So we we will continue to talk about maternity hospitals and and the situation um, because obviously it's not resolved yet. But there is a discussion of legislation now, isn't there? Yeah, so AIM2 came forward with this idea that they would put forward a bill which would basically give women a kind of legal protection to have your nominated partner with you throughout labour and childbirth. This would cover if you had to go into hospital, unfortunately, for a miscarriage, if your baby ended up in the NICU or any time where a pregnant woman is kind of admitted to hospitals, so that would also cover inductions. I think that this is probably unlikely to ever become law because it would be very unusual for things that are left to, I guess, what we would describe as best medical practice to have to be legislated for. And you'd end up having to legislate for absolutely everything. And I think, not to speak on behalf of them, but medical professionals might be nervous about it. But I think in fairness to AIM2, it's coming from a very good place because for a long time, it seemed like the restrictions were kind of extending longer than certainly the government and the chief medical officer believed that they needed to. Mm. And as we mentioned, there is a bit of a postcode lottery. I think I was really conscious of women in other parts of the country listening to the radio this morning and hearing about the coom relaxing their rules, how it was announced yesterday that Hollis Street is basically having totally unrestricted um, access at the moment, going back to the way things used to be. And I know that's not the situation in every hospital across the country. It's not even the situation in every hospital in Dublin. In Dublin. Mm. Um, so I think that it's actually, I wonder, would it actually be easier if there was like uniform restrictions rather than having one thing here and one thing there and basically having it down to maybe the amount of space that your maternity hospital has, how ventilated it is, or basically just down to the decision of local hospitals. Because as we know, the government seems to have had no power at all to yeah. change this. Oh, just continue to have massive sympathy to anyone who is stressing about this because I know pregnancy can be stressful enough as it is and, you know, to not be certain of the support you're going to have when you actually experience childbirth, which we all know doesn't always go according to plan, um, is is really difficult. So, um just sending out a message of support, I suppose, for you if you're someone who's stressing about it. We absolutely acknowledge your stress and your worry. Um, now, let's talk. We're going to stay with pregnant people just for a <laughs> moment longer um, because the ASTI has said that pregnant teachers are incredibly stressed over returning to school. Yeah, if anyone's interested in this, this came out in a really good episode of Drive Time on Radio 1 during the week where they had um, a pregnant teacher write in and say she was really worried about going back to school in the next couple of weeks because she hadn't been vaccinated yet. And they basically got inundated with contact. So the problem is, as I mentioned, the HSE is recommending vaccination from pregnant women from 14 weeks on. Um, there's a lot of people who are teachers who are pregnant who are in, still in the first trimester, which is the trimester when you might tend to be the most nervous. Yeah, and the most private. And the most private, particularly if you've ever experienced, you know, fertility challenges, if you've experienced a miscarriage before. And obviously you'd be very wor worried about going into an unventilated classroom, particularly in a primary school where all of the children are obviously not vaccinated and the Delta variant may be there. Um, it also could apply to women of childbearing age who might have had their first dose but are still waiting for their second dose and have absolutely no control over when they will be vaccinated. And these people are being forced to go back to work in a situation which they absolutely feel is unsafe. Now, obviously, I know for the parents of Ireland, nobody wants to go back to the homeschooling scenario but I think that the unions and certainly some of the individual pregnant teachers themselves would make the point that from Covid we actually now have a set of infrastructure in place where remote learning was possible it's absolutely not ideal but maybe if someone is in a high risk category it should be considered so both of the teachers unions have got involved in this now and are asking the education minister to look at this again because I think particularly for like it's a great um, programme to listen to women who are talking about having had a miscarriage 
miscarriage this year mm. and now being pregnant again and facing going back into school with children who are obviously not vaccinated, not through anyone's fault other than the fact that they're lower than 12 years old. Yeah. I think that there would be a lot of sympathy for teachers in this particular scenario to maybe find a workaround for them. Yeah, it's very tricky. Um, now, I love this story and I really wanted to just touch on it briefly because UNICEF have said that they've been absolutely bowled over by the donations that Irish people have made in order to facilitate vaccines around the world. Yeah, this is class. Uh, you'll probably have seen from people's very chic vaccine selfies that a few <laughs> people have been sharing this UNICEF get a vaccine, give a vaccine programme. So the idea is there's huge ethical questions about, you know, countries like Ireland moving forward and vaccinating children where when there are countries in the world that still have a vaccination rate of 5%, that means that their frontline healthcare workers are still trying to manage COVID while not being vaccinated for yeah. COVID. So um, every country has kind of been encouraged to start donating and UNICEF has said that um, the donations from Irish people have meant that more than 1 million COVID-19 vaccines have been sent to some of the world's poorest countries. It's from a donation of 2.5 million. If you do go on to donate, you can donate any amount that you yeah. like, whatever you're comfortable with or whatever you're able to do but UNICEF came out and said that um, basically how it works is they need just under 450 to deliver two doses of a COVID-19 vaccine 4 euro 50 450 sorry yeah. uh, to someone in a country facing a humanitarian crisis and UNICEF said that they have been absolutely blown away by the gratitude and solidarity that Ireland has shown and they've never seen anything like it before isn't that just great? It is it really is it's great and it's great to see the generosity but also I, you know it's like literally we are in a race against this bloody thing and there's no point in us in Ireland all being vaccinated if there are countries around the world which are completely unvaccinated because as I keep saying and as the scientists keep saying obviously I didn't make this up as the scientists <laughs> keep saying this is it's going to mutate over and over again and you know we don't know how, what those mutations are going to mean so we have to head it off at the pass and that means everybody needs to be vaccinated and that's why I donated and I will probably donate again because you know we just have to make this happen as a world and you know it's it, there are lots of times where it's easy for us to get caught up in our own stuff and kind of ignore the fact that there are people experiencing very difficult things in other countries. But this will directly affect us. So even from a selfish perspective, aside from the generosity of it, it's so important that we help to get this done if you are in a position to do so. Okay, now another great story. <laughs> Kelly Harrington came home and it was glorious. It was savage. I love sports stories that let you kind of indulge in a nice cry. And basically from the moment that she won last weekend, my timeline has just been so rich in like, tear-jerking content so obviously she's absolutely fantastic she did so well last weekend and from Monday Portland Row uh, in Dublin was just washed in tricolours I think they actually took well, a couple It's been of, washed in tricolours for, for weeks Yeah and they've actually <laughs> amped it up even more it's like saturation <laughs> on saturation they turned like some of the bulbs on the five lamps uh, green, white and gold for her they had an open top bus it was just so beautiful and I think for anyone who has lived in the north inner city as I did when I first moved to Dublin for a few years it's really nice to see an actual accurate portrayal of the community there yeah. and there was such a good quote from Joel Harrington um, her brother during the week saying you know this area isn't disadvantaged it's one of the richest areas possibly the richest area in the country because it's rich in support camaraderie and community values and I think it was just such a fantastic thing to see particularly because when you consider 
Kelly had to train the whole way through COVID. Like yeah. she was in lockdown. And I know her partner was given great credit for keeping her focused. Yeah. And I just think, you know, it wasn't the ideal homecoming. If things were different, it would have been a lot bigger. Yeah. Um, but I think it was great that she actually got to see a visual representation of how much people absolutely yeah. love her. And it was just so, it was such a tonic for the rest of us to get to watch as well. I too wept <laughs> a lot <laughs> over, over Kelly's victory. And I would just like to say that my son recently discovered Grace Kelly the Mika song and he's been loving it and he has consolidated Kelly Harrington with Grace Kelly and so now <laughs> Kelly Harrington is Grace Kelly and there are posters of Kelly Harrington all over Dublin at the moment and every time he sees one he's like there's Grace Kelly again oh my god so and I'm just absolutely loving it and I think she does have the elegance of Grace Kelly she frankly. absolutely does <laughs> and we, we don't have time to, to go into any more Ellen I'm afraid I think we banged banged on bung on banged on I don't know what the past tense of banging on is. We were banging on, I think, about pregnant people a little bit too much. But um, the good news is that uh, Team Ireland's Paralympic Paralympians, excuse me, are heading to Tokyo. Some of them are there already. So we've got more successes ahead, I'm sure. Absolutely, starting on the 24th of August. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Ellen Coyne, news correspondent at the Irish Independent. Louise McSherry on 2FM.